0: Welcome to episode 179 of the Women of the Military podcast. This week my guest is Lisa Holloway. Lisa decided to join the National Guard because she came from a military family and needed a way to pay for college. The National Guard gave her that opportunity. She was planning to become a veterinarian, but that career field disappeared while she was going through the DEP program and she was reassigned to public health. She ended up leaving the military after 17 years of service because she chose her family and her health over the military rules. It was a hard choice for her to say goodbye to the military, but in the end, she had to do what was the best choice for her, and she left the military without retirement and moved on. It isn't always easy to talk about some of the hard things that happen in military life, and I'm really grateful that Lisa was open and honest in sharing her experience of serving in the military and leaving So let's get started with this week's interview after a short word from our sponsor. Women of the Military Podcast would like to thank Sabio Coding Bootcamp for sponsoring this week's episode. Sabio Coding Bootcamp is a top-ranked coding bootcamp that is 100% dedicated to helping smart and highly motivated individuals become exceptional software engineers. Visit their website at www.sabio.la to learn how you may be able to use your GI Bill of Benefits to train at Savio. Your tuition and monthly BAH stipend may be paid during your training period. They are also 100% committed in helping you find your first job in tech. So don't forget to head over to www.savio.la to learn more. And now let's get started with this week's interview. Welcome to the show, Lisa. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So let's start with why did you decide to join the military?
1: Well, I came from a military family. My father was in the Air Force, my brother as well, and my grandfather was in the Navy. Um, So when I joined the Air National Guard to begin with, and this was before going on active duty, my family was living on a military base where my dad was the commander of an Air Force radar station. And at the time, I wanted to go to university and I had no way to pay for it. And I learned that if I went to a state-run university the Air National Guard would pay for 100% of my tuition. And I didn't see another option for myself. And the military was just such a big part of my life. It seemed like a, a good option. I wanted to be a veterinarian at the time. Um, eventually, I was hoping to do that. And a veterinary technician was a career path in the Air National Guard. So that was my the impetus for me to join the military.
0: So you were looking for a way to pay for school, you had grown up in a military family, so that was familiar, and you were like, win-win, I can join the military and I can get my schooling paid for. Exactly. So did you start going to school and then drill on the weekends? Is that how it worked? That's how it started. So, you know, I went to basic and I went to tech school
1: and then I went back to my home state and started school. And I did drill on the weekends and then I realized that in i was in a pre-vet program and uh, for school and in a course that i took uh, called vertebrate anatomy i had to do a dissection on a cat And I realized I really preferred animals from the outside (laughs) and just realized that veterinary medicine wasn't necessarily the direction I wanted to go. And I ended up then working full-time for the Air National Guard as a bioenvironmental engineering technician during the week and then an environmental health technician on the weekend. So I didn't tell you yet, but I never ended up getting into the veterinary technician career field because I had a delayed enlistment program. So I signed up, but then didn't go to basic for three months. And during that three-month period, my career field was given from the Air Force to the Army, and the Air Force no longer was going to do veterinary medicine. So I became an environmental health technician just by default. I was just told, so now you are an
0: environmental health technician. And that's how I ended up in public health. So it wasn't the plan, but then it kind of worked out for the best.
1: Yeah, for my life and my career, it, it really did put me on a on a career path.
0: And so when did you find out that your
1: career field had changed? It was while well, I was on that delayed entry program. And two it was a three-month delay, I think. And then two months in, I was asked to come in, and I was told uh, that I now had a new career field. And what year was it when this happened? This was 1984.
0: So what was the military like in the mid-'80s?
1: Well, I was, of course... Basic first, I went to Brooks Air Force Base uh, School of Aerospace Medicine, and I also went to Fort Sam Houston to the Academy of Health Sciences for my tech school, and that was, of course, lots of fun. I really, really enjoyed tech school so much and learned a lot. Then I came home, and for so part of the eighties, I was in the Air National Guard. So I was in I was in college, and then in 1986, I decided to go. On active duty. Um, I ended up in California at Travis Air Force Base and I was uh, assigned at David Grant Medical Center, which was an. Awesome assignment, and I started out in the the older version of that hospital. I don't know how old that building was, but at the time they were building the beautiful David Grant Medical Center that's in existence now. I think it's like a football field long. It's very, it's got five stories. It's it's a beautiful building. It's also earthquake proof, or at least built to be resist earthquakes. And I was actually in that building during the 1991 earthquake in San Francisco. So I was assigned at David Grant Medical Center in what was called environmental health at the time. Then they changed our name to military public health, and then they changed us to just public health. So I worked with a great team of people there, practiced occupational health and safety, communicable disease control, entomology, which is vector-borne diseases and controlling vector-borne diseases food inspection and facility sanitation or facility inspection, and foodborne illness investigations, things like that.
0: Why did you decide to go from the National Guard to active duty?
1: I really wanted a change. You know, I was working Already I was doing my weekends and I was working as a bioenvironmental bio engineer on the on the International Guard base during the week. You know, I was young and I wanted to travel and see something new. So I really felt ready to go on active duty. And a friend of mine wanted to do the same. So we joined a program where if you go on active duty together, you can be located at least close to each other. And she was my best friend. So I ended up in Northern California and she ended up in Southern California, which actually is, is quite a distance. <laughs> It was just a decision I made in my early 20s to make a change.
0: They're like, you're close to each other. You're like, no, we're not. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
1: (laughs) exactly. It was funny, actually.
0: At least eight hours apart. So you wanted to do it, and then your friend was doing it, and you were like, oh, we could do this together. This will be fun. Yeah.
1: and We thought we were going to go to Europe and travel the world. Not quite. Yeah, not quite, but it was still good. It was good for both of us.
0: You said that it was around the nineties, right?
1: Uh, that was the eighties, okay. and then yeah, and then in the early nineties, I was I deployed for Desert Storm. Then I had another deployment for Somalia, and uh, then I moved to North Carolina to Seymour Johnson Air Force Base. So I was there at Thomas Corritt's Hospital practicing public health as a where I managed public health programs and staff. In 1996, I left active duty and joined the Air Force Reserves. And while I was in the military, speaking of, I was talking about school, I completed two undergraduate degrees, one in environmental medicine and then one in human resource development. I was able to get some of my education dreams complete, although I was always working full time and then taking classes at night on base or whatever was close.
0: Yes, you were able to get your degree, but not quite the way you expected
1: a lot of work a lot of
0: hard work. Oh yes. Yes.
1: And it took longer of course, you know, because when you're working full time, you're not you're not completing classes any, as a as a full-time student.
0: And how long was it total? You said you got off active duty in 96, so is it about 10ish years that you were on active Yeah, duty? exactly. I was on active duty for 10 years and then I
1: was in the Air National Guard until 2001. Why did you decide to go off
0: active duty and go into the reserves?
1: You know, I was looking at other parts of my life. You know, I was I was getting interested in learning sort of mind-body medicine, meditation. I was just really feeling like I was ready for something different, including I was ready to have a child. You know, I wanted to, I, I met my husband. He was in the Air Force as well. I met him at Travis, and then we moved to North Carolina. And I was just ready to dedicate my life to some other endeavors. I was. I wanted to go in the reserves, but I wanted to be a mom. And I was as public health we would deploy early you know we would be one of the first to a deployment to establish our medical intelligence and understand whether or not what the risks were to the military staff and so yeah, I'd had three deployment requests, two that I actually did go on, and then one later when I was in the reserves. So we were quite mobile as public health, and I wanted to be able to have a little bit more control over being able to be home if I was going to have a child.
0: Yeah, I think this is another good interview to dispel the myth that between Desert Storm and September 11th, there wasn't a lot going on in the military. That's kind of the I don't know, myth that I believed. And the more I do podcast interviews, I find out how much stuff was happening and how many deployments and different missions were happening all while I think the rest of of America didn't really know what was happening. And so people have said that it was like peacetime, there wasn't anything going on. And you're talking about like how many challenges and sacrifices were required to serve even at peacetime, which is something that I think is really true for military life.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, we we are sent in peacetime. I have one peacetime deployment uh, that I was uh, sent to as well. So, you know, that was while I was in the reserves, I was deployed. And then also I had a third request, in another request to go to United Arab Emirates. So, yeah, we're busy in the military. (laughs) We move around quite a bit. Lots of potential for being sent somewhere.
0: And you said that your husband was in the Air Force? Was that why you chose to go into the reserves instead of the National Guard?
1: No, I was in North Carolina at the time. And in the hospital that I was in working in active duty, and there was a reserve unit uh, right there. And so in the same building, so there was a reserve a clinic there attached to the hospital. So I just joined that. I knew them, and I just joined that unit. And I ended up working there more than just on the weekend. I worked four days a week there for quite some time because their environmental health and public health programs really needed some building up. So I was there actually quite a bit.
0: And do you think that going off active duty and staying in the reserves made it easier to be a mom and to have that stability? I oh, can see on your face, yes.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I actually went to massage school. I wanted to own my own business and be able to control my hours. So I went and I became a nationally certified and licensed massage and bodywork therapist. You know, that, that took some time to finish that, but then I was able to have my own business and control my own hours and I was lucky because my husband had a good job and so I was able to take the time to finish that and then also be able to manage my hours so that I could be with my son who was born in 1998. I actually didn't get out of the reserves though until 2001 and actually it's a bit related to the deployment request, which was impacted my decision to to go ahead and get out of the reserves.
0: So let's talk a little bit about that. Unless there's something from your time in the guard or the active duty or reserves, you covered all three. So is there anything that we missed before we start talking about your transition?
1: No, not really. I would just like to say that the deployment experiences that I had were very growing for me as an individual. They weren't particularly long deployments, but they were there was so much learning and I met so many amazing people. it's challenging and at the same time when it comes to your career field, uh, at least for mine and I think maybe for others, it's such an intense immersion um, into your career field and into the most important parts of your career field. It's an amazing time of learning and bonding with other people and challenge you know adversity and all of that. but it's there's some of the most unforgettable times of my career in the military.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you do all these practices for exercises, and then when you get to deploy, you actually get to do the things that you practice. And it's not, I mean, when it's an exercise, it's supposed to be real, but it's just not real until you go over the seas and you're like actually doing it. And it's more intense of an environment. And Right,
1: yeah. In that, yeah. In that environment, I mean, we did it. We did. I, I practiced public health every day, and most of that was, you know, with active duty, but also families, family members. But when you're in the field, you're you're trying to control the mosquito population. Because when I went to, I was in Africa, so we were trying to control the mosquito population and testing the water all the time, inspecting the food all the time, and managing and reporting on epidemiology, you know, disease incident, incident trying to prevent dengue and malaria and um, keeping track of the, you know, we had lots and lots of low-grade fevers. Everybody was walking around with a, with a low-grade fever because we were fighting off so many little viruses and bugs that we're usually not um, exposed to. So that's the intensity. The intensity of the work magnifies in, an, in a deployed environment. So it's a, it's a great time for learning leadership as well as immersion into the reason you're in your career field.
0: I think that's just a great way to explain it. You took the things that you do in like civilian life and then how it changed and intensified when you were in Africa, which is just, it makes so much sense, especially around public health. Yeah, so let's dive back to your transition. And you said that there was a specific reason why you wanted to leave the military. And so let's talk about what happened
1: So I was in a unit that received a request, so it was in the reserves, and my unit received a request to deploy public health to United Arab Emirates at the time. So the deployment was coming up and I was getting ready and it was at the time when the anthrax vaccine was being given out and it it was a deployment expectation but I had a bad reaction to the first shot and then the second as well which was even worse and so when the flight surgeon told me that I could not take another shot so he said to discontinue the series my medical unit really wanted me to deploy and they challenged that and sent me to a civilian allergist to see if the civilian allergist would say the same thing. They also said that I should never take another shot, and that was the decision. So following that, my unit wanted to send me to a military allergist at another base to possibly to overrule the first um, two physicians. And that's when I realized that, you know, as many hours and as much work as I had done for that unit, um, I didn't feel like they cared about me or my health. And I was very concerned about my son. You know, he was two years old and I had arranged for my in-laws to come, and they were going to stay with him because my husband was driving to another city every day for work, and so had arranged for a family to come for the deployment and, and to take care of my two-year-old son. But I was now having this rea- this health reaction, and I felt that the unit really wasn't caring about that. So my chief had actually started non-judicial punishment on me until she realized that the order to stop the shot series was was documented in my. Medical record. So then, it turned out that I actually was not supposed to have been told to go, but I was supposed to be asked. They were looking for a volunteer for the deployment, and then and then it also turned out that it was mistakenly sent to my unit, um, and it was supposed to go to a unit in California. So after all of that and 17 years of really spotless service, I just wasn't willing to stay in a unit that was willing to risk my health like that for the sake of a deployment. And so I made my decision for my family, for myself, that I would leave the reserves. I did have to forego my retirement by doing that because I had to make that decision because I just it just was time. It was just too much At that time for me to to say this is a good place for me to be at this time in my life and interestingly when i decided to get out i got calls from people around the air force who had worked with me and somehow the word got out and people called and asked me why i was getting out and was i sure i wanted to do that and and i really was i was i was really sure that my family and my son was going to have to come first
0: Yeah, that sounds like a really hard situation and a really bad situation, especially when you took the first two shots, you had an allergic reaction to the first one, and then they made you get the second one. And then the doctors were like, she can't get the shot. And they were like, let's find another doctor that says she can. (laughs) It's like, yeah, no. I mean, to walk away from retirement at 17 years with so much sacrifice and heart put into the military and then having to make that decision for your family. But I've done a few interviews this year where people have talked about how the military didn't take care of them and how that pushed them to leave the military. And I think that shows like why so many of the laws that are being pushed right now are so important to take care of people because people should do the right thing. But it seems like laws are the only way to ensure that people do make those
1: right decisions it's very true and veterans are treated a lot better now than in the past even the thanking people for their service wasn't happening you know until maybe the next the, the within the last
0: decade but that was not normal that's new Yeah, I think some people get frustrated, they don't like it, or they do like it, or whatever. And ever since I've been a veteran, people have always thanked me for my service. And even when I was in the service, people thanked me for my service. And so I don't remember a time where people didn't do that. I think it's interesting to hear the perspective from people who do know what that's like, because it probably changes the whole dynamics of what those words mean, where I've heard them my whole career. And you said that you didn't hear them, and that only in like the last ten you started hearing that. I was
1: surprised the first time I heard it, and yeah, it's it's fine as long as it's not so rote, you know, that people just say it without really understanding what they're what they mean by that. Um, but I don't mind it. I think it's it's better than in not not having that acknowledged at all.
0: You were already in the reserves. When I've talked to people, the transition from active duty to civilian is a little bit different than for reserves to civilian. But I also feel like you had a really hard transition because, well, you were three years away from retirement and kind of had this yucky situation. So what was leaving the military like?
1: Well, I was working four days a week and then weekends at the reserve. So it was really almost like going directly into you know from active duty to a civilian job um, but it, you know it was challenging I was a tech sergeant with years of experience in public health but local public health department wouldn't wouldn't be touch me they weren't interested uh, because the only degree that was offered through my work in the Air Force was an associate's degree in environmental medicine I did get an additional Bachelor of Science in human resource development but when you're on a base with limited options for university programming, you choose from the programs offered to the military by universities that are willing to teach on base, because a lot of bases don't necessarily have a university within driving distance. So it was disheartening. And, you know, you go from a career where you have worked your way from sort of a a trembling airman, you know, in basic training to a respected member of the team um, and a manager with lots of supervisory, clinical, creative, and administrative abilities, not to mention the leadership and resilience learned and required during deployments. But it's like the military is a hidden world and no one but the military understands what leadership looks like and what it takes to get to a leadership position, whether you're not a non-commissioned officer or an officer. And I really feel for the leaders who leave the military with very little uh, understanding on the part of corporations of the extent of leadership skills that come uh, with many veterans, Um, So for that reason, I believe that having an honorable discharge should equal, it shouldn't just equal five points on a federal application. It should literally be an invitation to a federal position. If you've left the military with an honorable discharge and you have served your country well, then it should be much more than just five points on a federal application.
0: Yeah, people don't understand the military and... The sacrifice along with how each member is taught to be a leader
1: yeah yeah I think I think there are many corporations that do support the military and they you know they they respect um, veterans and many of the leaders in some of these corporations have been in the military so they do understand and of course I think it's better now when I got out of the military which was 2001 there was probably less appreciation for what uh, veterans do and so I think it has improved now. And many
0: corporations are
1: looking for veterans. So that's a big plus now.
0: It has changed a lot. Over 20 years have gone by. So, what are you doing today?
1: So as I said, you know, after I left the Air Force Reserves, I went to school to become a massage therapist. I ran my own practice for almost five years. Now I'm a project director working for Island Health, which is a regional health authority in British Columbia, Canada. I lead projects that the health authority executive team determines are important initiatives in meeting our strategic goals priorities and I have two really interesting projects right now. One is implementing respiratory therapy as a service to in community care and a chronic disease care model across the continuum of health care. And then the second project is very exciting as well and involves expanding virtual care for people at home so for multiple different care areas. So for palliative care, diabetes, pharmacy, caregiver supports, and also rural and remote First Nations communities so what I did with my career was I was independent you know as an entrepreneur for a little while and then I got into a not-for-profit and started on their board. I got on the board and then started learning about the organization and eventually was hired into a leadership position in the not-for-profit organization. And then I began applying for positions within the health authority here in British Columbia and eventually ended up as a primary care developer. So working in primary care area with physicians and interdisciplinary teams. And then I've just worked my way up in this organization from an operational leader into a project role as a project manager and now I'm a project director and I support implementing new innovative programming for healthcare.
0: So it sounds like you took a lot of the management stuff that you learned or leadership stuff from the military and you are using it in your current career and used it as an entrepreneur. And it's great to see how this path towards public health, that wasn't really your choice. I guess it wasn't your choice at all, has stayed with you and now has impacted what you're doing today.
1: It's so true. You know, between then and now, I have continued my education. I've completed a Master's of Education in Organizational Learning, Performance, and Change. And I have completed my you know, change management certifications. I have two change management certifications. I've Lean Six Sigma, Black Belt, Project Management, Training, and Certification. And so it's just, I would continually continually work on my skill set and my education so I can stay current in my career field and in sort of the change and innovation work in in healthcare.
0: And do you want to add about the business that you're working on?
1: Yes, thank you so much for asking. I have a new company called Alora Living Arts and I provide transformational coaching, mentoring, and courses very much focused around living your purpose and finding, discovering the gifts and talents that you have innately and how I might be able to help you to cultivate those gifts to live a really authentic and purposeful life I provide support and mentoring to leaders who want to take a more spiritual approach to their leadership and to people who work in spiritual fields, but who want to be leaders in their arena. That
0: sounds great. My last question is, what advice would you give to young women who are considering military service? If young women are considering the
1: military, I would encourage them. I grew up and learned what I was capable of, of as a leader in the military. I really gained my confidence there and understood you know, what I was capable of as a learner um, and as, as an individual in the military. So the structure was good for me, and I really learned who I was through adversity, challenge, and commitment, and accomplishment. Things I was able to, to overcome or things I was able to learn. I don't think all branches of the military are the same however, and I think women need to be very clear within themselves what they want out of their career. For example, if you're moved to become a Marine because you know what a Marine is and how Marines um, think um, and their dedication, go for it, you know, but learn the differences Between the services, they will be different. Understand their mission, their environment, their culture, and then make your decisions. I think that's important. But if you want to be challenged to literally deliver the very best of yourself, to be challenged, to grow, to expand your skill and knowledge and adaptability, then join the military. For me, the military gave me a sense of pride, always gave me something more to strive for. What I gave the military, I felt like I got back. And so when that was no longer happening, I knew it was time to leave. But the skills, the
0: confidence, character have stayed with me uh, always. And so I'm grateful for that. Uh, That was really good advice. And I did an episode, episode 82, which is a breakdown of all the branches. So if you are considering the military and you want to know more about all the different branches, you can go check that out. And then... I also have a new mentorship program that connects women who are joining the military with women who have served in the military. So if you want to join that program, you can go to the link in the show notes and sign up. And thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really enjoy getting to talk to you and hear your story.
1: Well, thank you so much. And I think the mentorship program is a great idea and thank you for holding this a uh, podcast for 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 taking the time to do this for us really really appreciate it you're doing a great job thank you so much
0: Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If this is your first time listening to Women of the Military podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other episodes on the podcast. There are so many episodes and stories of women who've served in the military who can inspire you at whatever stage of the journey you're in, joining, serving, leaving the military, or just learning about the women who have served in the military. If you want to support Women of the Military podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash women of the military and if you enjoyed women of the military podcast please leave a review on your favorite podcast app to help the podcast grow and reach more women who are considering military service